Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra podcast. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair, our two recruiting insiders. We've got a cool show today. We're going to talk about Notre Dame's big run in June, the factors that went into that, also who might commit to Notre Dame next, and run through our five guys. Also, after that, we'll have an interview with Notre Dame's newest commitment, Kieran Williams, three-star running back out of St. Louis, Missouri. I think you'll find that pretty enlightening. He talks a little about getting behind the scenes with Brian Kelly, his relationship with Autry Denson, and also, if Notre Dame wasn't in the picture, he'd probably be committing somewhere else this weekend, uh, so he reveals a little bit about that. So stick around after we wrap up with Kevin and Tom uh, as we get into the latest recruiting extra Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. Notre Dame wrapping up a very productive June, five commitments across a couple classes, tons of camps. Tom, you were at pretty much all of them, I believe, and it, overall, I think it seemed like they got two months of work done in one month, which is significant because July is uh, now a dead period in the recruiting calendar, and so Notre Dame really had to make some headway if they wanted to be in a strong position when training camp starts in August, which seems to be the goal of the staff. So, Tom, you were sort of at the camp watching these guys work out and impress, earn offers, etc., just sort of your big picture view of what you saw in the month of June before we get into talking about the five commitments that Notre Dame picked up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's really a point to even get into talking about individual recruits with these elite skills camp, as they call them. Um, I would probably say, and obviously they extended a couple offers, and um, but this was more about evaluation. And I've done camps like this in the past, other schools, even with Notre Dame. Um, but I was not in North Carolina. I've been at Florida State. Um, I've been at USC. I've gone through this. And I was, I can't tell you guys enough, I was so impressed by how this Notre Dame coaching staff handled this. Um, these last couple weeks, there was definitely moments where they could have kind of, you know, uh, been pretty casual about it and just kind of let these kids come, work out, do one-on-ones put on the Notre Dame gear, put on the helmet, things like that. But these guys were putting in so much work. Um, I mean, I, I tweeted about Terry Joseph and his, his effort and energy. I mean, he was sweating more than some of the recruits that were working out. Um, Clark Lee, always fun to watch. I mean, this goes back to the Irish invasion last year. Um, but again, over the last couple of weeks, just watching him work with these guys. I mean, these, these linebackers that are working with him, um, some are absolutely Notre Dame caliber players. Some aren't, but they got better. They got 100% better working with him. Um, you watch Mike Elston dealing with the defensive line guys. I mean, um, Tom Reese, this guy, uh, he put in a ton of work with the quarterbacks. And, 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 again, these guys got better. They This wasn't just, you know, go ahead and sit back and throw the ball around and I'm just going to kind of look at you from afar. He was in there working with every guy individually. He was throwing the balls to receivers when they were going through the gauntlet drill. I, I mean, that was probably my biggest takeaway is just how much effort and energy these guys did uh, or put in t- towards just making an impression, showing them that these guys can come to Notre Dame, work out, whether they end up at Notre Dame, whether they ever get an offer, they're gonna, their money is going to be worth it, and, and they, they, uh, they know that they're going to get a lot from this coaching staff. So I think that was probably my biggest t- takeaway was just the effort and energy this coaching staff put in. Yeah, I know that I've covered a bunch of camps where it, I think it's difficult for the media uh, to have as much energy when you're not watching a lot of four-star and five-star guys running around. So that 
that is significant. I think that sort of speaks to the energy that the staff will bring on the dog days of the actual season when they're dealing with the team, which is the most significant part about it. Once we get into the, the commitments a little bit, I guess, Kevin, with the five that they picked up, uh, offensive lineman Zeke Carell, linebacker O.C. Aquanu, running back Kieran Williams, linebacker Jack Kaiser, and then uh, 2020 tight end Kevin Bauman. What, um, among those five, was there one that was most significant for you or, or maybe even most interesting? Um, you know, I, I have a hard time not saying, you know, Kieran Williams is the big near running back. For, but for me, um, Asita Aquanu, um, I think that that's a guy with a super high upside um, I sort of liken him a bit to uh, Tavon Coney, um, who was also, you know, just absolutely chiseled like the way that Osita is as a, you know, a high schooler. Um, but I think he'll develop into an even, you know, bigger bodied, uh, even maybe even more physical uh, inside linebacker for Notre Dame. And of course, they did, you know, add a really nice linebacker group last year. But um, looking at the depth chart, have a, there's a lot of question marks behind Tony and Tranquil, with a lot of sort of safeties moving to the linebacker position, um, sort of uncertainty of, as to how long it'll take for that 2018 class to sort of develop physically and be able to compete. So I think uh, sort of solidifying that linebacker group with a really good 2019 class uh, with guys like Osita Kwanu is um, sort of understated in terms of how important it was. Um, he's, he, you know, to me, he's as close to a perfect fit at Notre Dame as you'll sort of find. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to be an outstanding player for Notre Dame. I mean, Tom, when you, when you look sort of same question, the most significant commit of those five to you is who? Honestly, probably Zeke Carell. I wouldn't say that's the biggest need by any stretch. I mean, I think getting Kyron Williams, getting a running back early was, was important, but, but I think going into Ohio, um, with with a new offensive line coach, when people were down on uh, down on him early, I and mean, I think that Jeff Quinn, I mean, it really says a lot about him to go finish the 2018 class strong, go in and and play a big role in, in getting some big time commits early. Mike Elston was very influential early in Zeke's recruitment, um, and then again, as soon as he stand left for the Bears, he was he was the go to guy there. But um, from everything I'm told. Uh, Zeke's family just fell in love with Jeff Quinn. I mean, the entire group just, they, I, I would honestly say that their interest in Notre Dame went up um, between the recruitment of Harry Heastan and then and then Coach Quinn. So um, I think that's a huge get for him. I think that it kind of, when you when you add him to the rest of the offensive line class and you're looking at Carroll and Holmstead and Kristofik, um, I think it really quiets the critics. Now it's just about producing, go into the fall, with your four guys, um, obviously they'd love to land another, but um, go into the fall and win some games, have a great offensive line unit, and uh, see what they can happen. See what can happen moving forward. It, Tom and Kevin's really for both of you guys. Kevin, I'll, I'll start with you. But like, how much do you attribute the success that Notre Dame had in June, just of the way the calendar broke down with the dead period coming up? It's not. You know, June is usually a productive recruiting month for Notre Dame. You know, the last three cycles, they, they landed eight guys total. But the eight guys they got in those Junes were Spencer Perry, Jameer Jones, Jalen Elliott, Kevin Stefferson, Jonathan McAllister, George Takis, Jamie and Franklin, and Paulson Adebo, who was the, the biggest name who wound up decommitting and flipping to Stanford. So it's not like they've landed some of their top guys during this month, 
But when I look at Kieran Williams, Osi Aquano, Zeke Carell, and, and Kevin Bauman in particular, I feel like those could be more headline or at least closer to the, the top of the board guys than, than maybe what we've seen in the past. Is there anything that you'd attribute to that? Is the the recruiting calendars or the fact that Norm's coming off a 10-3 season? What, what, what sort of gets your attention there? Well, Notre Dame, obviously, yeah, they had a great season last year and got a lot of momentum on the trail in the 2018 class. There's a lot of some good buzz around Notre Dame. They're doing well recruiting. But I think when the, the decision came down that there was going to be this, you know, early official visits and that, I think what, you know, as a coaching staff, what you'd be most excited about is getting those sort of long-distance, uh, out-of-region guys to campus early, guys like Nano Safo Menza, and, you know, you get – um, even guys like who haven't committed, um, but guys like Ozza Turner and Tristan Sinclair, getting them out uh, to campus and making an impression, um, you probably didn't get those guys to campus uh, in June if it weren't for that period. So I think sort of like looking at how the whole early official period, you know, sort of shaped up uh, will be, you know, better looked at after the recruiting season. But right now it's certainly been a positive note and, I, I don't know that they have some of these guys on their commit list right now without without the early period. Tom, would you attribute any of this to just like it's a good recruiting staff and they've had a little bit more uh, time to bank two-year relationships opposed to what they were working with last year where it was Clark Lee, Mike Elko, um, and they're Chip Long. They're all sort of working on one-year relationships where they're, they're getting caught up. I mean, I think that this, the staff, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was just a staff effort. Um, like I said earlier about the camp, I mean, these guys get after it on the recruiting trail. This is a very strong recruiting staff. Um, and obviously, it needs to pay off in the fall, and it needs to become a, a strong coaching staff. But, no, they, they definitely did a great job of getting ahead of the game. Um, we've got these, they got these guys on campus early. Um, so, you know, having a, a strong June doesn't really come as a surprise. I mean, they – they were very much top contenders for Zeke Carell and Karen Williams early, um, O.C. Aquanu as well. And, yeah, sure, they got late. They were late on Jack Kaiser and, I mean, arguably late on Kevin Bauman, even though he's a 2020 guy. But um, then it comes down to selling uh, your program and selling the university and, and being Notre Dame. And that carries weight with the right guys. And, obviously, they were, in there, they were able to get there late with, with Kaiser and, and beat out Purdue. Uh, um, and then with Bauman, just, you know, I think having a landing an early commitment from Drew Pine, 2020 quarterback commit, that played a factor. He knows he's going to, you know, have a strong quarterback throwing the ball. Um, but this staff as a whole, they, they did a great job of getting in early, developing a relationship. I mean, they landed a guy, even though they lost the position coach in Carell. So just a great job all around. I think that played the biggest factor was, like you said, relationships. And spinning it forward a little bit, don't I'm sitting there at 15 15- commitments they're way up in the top 10 of the 24 7 composite team ranking so comfortably positioned there probably five spots left let's just sort of use that as a for the sake of discussion um could be maybe one more could be a couple less but if you have five spots left tom how would how would you allot that if you're brian polian and you're saying okay this is how we're going to spend these available scholarships where do they go where do you put your final five uh, scholarships man that's really difficult because i think that they have more needs than just five but if you really got to cut it down to five i mean i think you got to find a way 
to, to, to get a quarterback, but I don't force it. You know, you got to find a guy that could be a starter, a multi-year starter, a guy that can make plays. Um, so after Brendan Clark, um, sure, there's a couple guys out there that you could try to flip that are currently committed elsewhere, but I think you slow it down a little bit unless an, a truly elite guy um, shows interest. I think you slow it down, allow some of the seasons to occur, and um, see who really separates themselves this fall. So I think you, you try to get a quarterback, but you don't force it. Um, I really like Tyron Williams at running back. I don't think it's an absolute necessity to take a second back in this class, but again, if there's a, the right guy comes along and the numbers work, I think that's when, that's you know your, your number two spot. Um, you definitely need another pass rusher this cycle. I think that that's, um, especially if you can get somebody like uh, Braylon Trice, um, somebody with, with just ridiculous upside, somebody that can really get to the quarterback. And then you have to take uh, at least one wide receiver. They loaded up last cycle, but I think you look for a, a difference maker at that position. And, you know, between wide receiver recruiting, running back recruiting, it's, I wouldn't call it a cluster, but it's definitely something that um, – it, it's interesting to watch right now. I'm very curious to see how those two positions shake out, especially whether they want the second back. Um, so I think you go quarterback, pass rusher, some kind of DN, um, a wide receiver, maybe a running back. And then I think if you can add Tristan Sinclair or off the Turner at linebacker, the Rover spot, I think that you do that. So that's kind of where, where I'm going right there. But again, I think they can be very selective at this point. I love what they've done so far with the current class and and uh, the 15 commits, but I think you got to slow it down a little bit and be very, very selective. Kevin, if it's up to you, if you're Brian Pulling, where do you spend your five scholarships here if that's the number for Notre Dame? You know, for me, I, mean, I could go on and on about all the, you know, different reasoning for all of this, but, you know, I would, I would look to add, you know, a wide receiver. I would look to add um, definitely another defensive end. Um, I think that two would be uh, a really good deal for them. But anyhow, one more defensive end. I would definitely want to uh, get a second running back. Um, and I would really uh, focus on trying to add either Tristan Sinclair or Aza Turner to the linebacker group. Uh, again, I just think that that's a, an important uh, group there. That's for, with that fifth spot, it would sort of be, you know, the best player I could sort of get down this stretch, whether it would be sort of a senior evaluation um, or, you know, someone that sort of, you know, comes out of the woodwork down the down the line that you thought maybe was out, whether it was a, an, an offensive lineman, a guy like a Walter Rouse or, a uh, you know, a wide receiver, like, say, a guy like Cornelius Johnson down the line, um, maybe a, a sort of senior evaluation, big body, strong side defensive end. Um, yeah, so I sort of feel like right now, um, other than sort of wide receiver, they have a whole, it's, it's sort of like looking for supporting cast right now in depth. So there isn't like those big glaring needs right now. That's how well they've done. Um, so yeah, wide receiver, a running back, a defensive end and linebacker. And then I would sort of, uh, like I said, take that sort of best player available approach, almost like the NFL draft. Yeah. Linebacker is interesting. Cause I, I sort of felt early on when they got the two or at least, you know, when they got Kaiser and, and Aquanu in the last couple of weeks that, that maybe they would stop just based on numbers. But if you have Sinclair and Turner sitting there and they're interested in you and you can get them to visit, then, then I think you got to you press forward. It's linebacker almost feels like that best available, the best available guy in, in that scenario probably plays linebacker. Whereas 
you know, look at weak side defensive end. I, Tom, I agree with exactly what you're saying. I, I think you're looking for sort of a, a, a better Ade Ogundeje type prospect who you can, you know, have put on a five-year plan who just has arms down to his knees and, and is broad-shouldered but needs a lot of development. And I guess, you know, the quarterback issue is interesting just from a numbers perspective because Notre Dame, depending on how this year goes, probably will have – three-and-a-half quarterbacks on the roster in 2019 if we're counting Avery Davis as a half quarterback there. Maybe he won't, depending on how his season goes, he'll be fully out of that room. But, Tom, what's what's your assessment? I, I guess I, I understand why Notre Dame wants a quarterback, but, like, is there anybody that you see on the board that's actually good enough to fill the needs of that opposed to just a guy who's a roster spot? Yeah, and, and again, this is no fluff. I have been a big Brendan Clark fan for a long time and really goes back and I had conversations with Barton Simmons about uh, his ranking well before you know while he was still committed to Wake Forest well before Notre Dame even got involved on that front so I think Clark fits that role as a guy that could step in and and, and be a starter um, I, I kind of like him a little bit more than Ian Brooke coming out of high school and I was, I was high on Brooke as well um, so I think that, that he's a guy that you look at you push for uh, North Carolina is very much in play. I don't really think he's made up his mind. I got sources on both fronts here, and I don't think he's made up his mind yet. So it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of days as he still plans to announce a decision on July 4th. But after that, you go and you try to flip certain guys. I mean, there's, I mentioned over at IrishIllustrated.com the other day that, that they are in discussions with certain guys uh, behind the scenes, and they're hoping that. Uh, there's a group of guys that they're talking to that are committed elsewhere that potentially could open things up um, and, and consider Notre Dame if, if Clark chooses North Carolina. Now, obviously, they, they are, Notre Dame very much wants Clark to end up at, in South Bend, but um, just kind of stay tuned at that front. Like I said, I think between the behind-the-scenes conversations Notre Dame's having um, with guys that are committed elsewhere, as well as the fact that they have an opportunity, like you mentioned, with the depth chart and pine behind and Jacoba coming in, they can be patient. So, guys, it happens every single year. Guys emerge as seniors. Um, they, they hit a growth spurt. They get stronger. They become more accurate with football. The light comes on. Um, Brandon Wimbush was a great uh, example of that, a guy that just became dominant as a senior in high school. That guy's going to emerge, and it wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame, with what they can sell, would become an instant player. Yeah, and it's like, it's a, like all positions. You never know what's going to happen with other staffs. So if, if another staff gets canned elsewhere, that may force a quarterback to look around because he's not a fit anymore. That's that's where Notre Dame, Notre Dame's recruiting staff makes their money to sort of keep up those connections to strike when that uh, those opportunities present themselves. Let's jump into segment two of our podcast or our five guys segment um, where we sort of run down the guys who are interesting, worth tracking, whether it be newsworthy right now or something something you see maybe coming down the road there. And, Tom, you've got uh, among your five, I don't know where you want to start, you've got uh, four 2019 guys and a 2020 guy. Who um, Who's sort of most interesting you for may- you from that group? <laughs> um, sure, we can start with uh, we can start with Walter Rouse. Uh, let's go with him. He just visited um, – this guy made a major impression on the Notre Dame coaching staff. Uh, he went he went from a guy that they were intrigued about, wanted to get around him, wanted to spend a couple days with him and his mom, and 
to uh, like a top of the board head guy. They love his upside. They love his fit. Um, you know, it's no surprise to see schools like Notre Dame, Stanford, Northwestern, Duke, all involved here. Um, I like Notre Dame's chances to at least be in that top tier. Uh, maybe a Notre Dame, Stanford battle. Penn State's also in play as well, but. Um, no question Notre Dame's going to lay out the red carpet as, as we move forward, um, continue pushing for him. I mean, he's 6'6", near 300 pounds, looks great. Um, just a guy that just oozes upside down the road, pencils there. Um, yeah, this, this is a guy to keep an eye on uh, for Notre Dame. Yeah, definitely looking at photos of him does not seem very three-starry to me. Um, he looks like a pretty athletic dude. Kevin, where do you want to start among your five guys? Uh, Tristan Sinclair, um, definitely one of the, the prospects who's really, really impressed me this year. Um, I sort of, you know, he caught my eye when I was just looking through film um, just before he earned his offer. Anyhow, I spoke with him this morning, um, had visited Notre Dame, of course, on the weekend, um, was in Belize with the, on a vacation with his family, flew up to South Bend. Um, he spent time at Mike Elston's house. There's, I guess, a ping pong tournament there. Uh, wakeboarding at Brian Ke- uh, at the lake at Brian Kelly's house. Um, a few things that sort of stood out in terms of his visit um, is just him really bonding with the freshmen. Seems like he, he spent a lot of time with uh, guys like Bo Bauer and Jack Lamb, Shane Simon, Ovia Gufo, um, Jamie on Franklin, um, Lawrence Keys. Different different uh, freshmen there, and and that went really well. He said his parents spent quote hours with Brian Kelly, speaking with him. I think they took a big step forward there, and, and I think that uh, Notre Dame's chances here are legit, and I think Notre Dame has a really good shot to land him. Um, I think that, you know, Stanford obviously is going to be in the picture for him, but I think that sort of, you know, Stanford's a school he's visited many times in the past, but Notre Dame's sort of something new and something that's really catching his eye, I and mean, he's really feeling comfortable with the staff. Um, so that one, I mean, I'm not ready to make any type of prediction, but that's going to be a really interesting one going forward. Tom, how about uh, the next guy for you? I'll, I'll, I'll push you towards him since he was just uh, on campus recently, a, a defensive lineman from out in New Jersey who's uh, from the same prep school that uh, produced Jason Oa, who is a guy we talked about on podcast a ton last year. Yeah, David Jabo. Um, I feel like he's getting closer to the Jason Oa category um, in terms of how many people ask about him on the message board. But th- this is a guy that you know Notre Dame loves. They, they made, a, made a big impression um, on him and his parents when he was recently in town for his official visit. Uh, no question, the Fighting Irish coaching staff felt very good about their chances. Then he went over to Ann Arbor and checked out Michigan, and it looks like everything and talking to sources on both Notre Dame and Michigan side, the, the tables have turned, um, no question about it. So I think Michigan's the team to beat at this point. Um, I think Cal, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Texas A&M, um, with, with some local family ties there, all those schools are involved. Um, I don't really see him, although he visited. I don't see Ohio State being a player. But, yeah, at this point, nobody inside the group feels great about the chances, um, which, which is tough because Notre Dame sees the potential. They got in there early and pushed hard. But um, it seems like the trip to Ann Arbor may have uh, – won him over a little bit more than his time in South Bend. Kevin, how about um, another guy who was on campus recently who's a commit? And that's not usually guys that we talk about in five guys. It's usually sort of the next wave or future commits. But uh, quarterback out of Georgia who is uh, 
pretty significant to the strength of Notre Dame's class already. Yeah, so KJ Wallace headed up to South Bend for just a one-day stop uh, on Friday. Um, and, like, first, the, the big picture there is a lot of people are sort of asking about whether he's going to take additional visits. And, of course, that's, you know, uh, a concern in the talk about him. Right now, there's no additional visits set. Um, I think that probably my biggest takeaway from speaking with him yesterday about his trip was getting up there and meeting the, all of the other freshmen. And, of course, he knows Derek Allen from his childhood. He's, I think he spent, you know, the better part of his day with Allen, um, who is, you know, really harping on how, how excellent his time has been at Notre Dame so far. And I think he got a really good close look at what freshman life is like there. I think if you're Notre Dame staff, you're hoping that that maybe shuts down any talk of taking visits elsewhere. But that's a situation we're just going to have to sort of monitor. Um, I, I personally think there's, there's going to be a decent chance for Notre Dame September 1st, the Michigan game, will be the only visit that he takes. And uh, for, for the Irish sake, let's hope that that's the way it pans out. Yeah, Tom, how about, how about you in terms of, you, you'd mentioned a guy who just visited Michigan and that was significant. Uh, there's another guy on Notre Dame's board there, like a ton, who also just visited Michigan. It sounds like that may have had an equally significant visit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I tossed in a 24-7 sports crystal ball pick for Michigan this morning for Aeneas de Cosmo, three straight cents then out of New Jersey. Uh, this has been a tight race throughout. Michigan was, Michigan was probably the favorite early on, you know, when you really think back to the start of his recruitment. But Stanford, Notre Dame, um, UCLA getting in late as well. I think those are kind of the four teams involved. But, um, man, I don't, again, in talking to sources, Inside the goo, nobody's really confident there, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and, and then when I was talking to people along the Michigan side, their confidence is through the roof. So um, he seems to like Michigan. Dad seems to like Michigan. Um, I don't necessarily think the position fit and how that Stanford wants to use him is really sitting well. So I think they're kind of looking other than Stanford because that's pretty wild because he fully intended, from what I was told, to go out to Stanford. Um, love that visit and commit shortly thereafter, but obviously things change. So, like in Michigan at this point, Notre Dame's going to do what they can to, you know, flip the tables once again. UCLA wants to get them on campus to, to try to get them, but I, I think uh, Michigan's team to beat as of today. Yeah, he's really talented. I think that's kind of one of those guys who would be a perfect fit for what Notre Dame wants to do at that position, um, maybe even more so than, than what he would be doing at Michigan, certainly at Stanford. Kevin, uh, you know, is a cornerback who's that you've been tracking a little bit. Uh, another Georgia guy, and by the time people listen to this podcast, he could be committed. But uh, DJ Turner, what what can you tell us about sort of Notre Dame's position with him? Yeah, so Notre Dame definitely, in my opinion, running a very close second to Michigan, and I think that that's where he'll commit today. That's where I put my pick in for a few weeks back. Um, with Notre Dame, you know, his, they definitely really got his parents' attention, and I think that that um, was sort of, you know, their big chance to really um, maybe seal the deal with him. Um, but I also know, like, I mean, cornerback, a second cornerback isn't necessarily a big need for the Irish, especially if, uh, like what we were talking about earlier, if they only, you know, end up having only around 20 spots. So I think you'll end up committing to the Wolverines today, um, and I don't actually think that that's a huge loss for the Irish. All right, uh, Tom, snap our streak of guys who are committing to Michigan. Uh, you've got two guys left you can talk about. 
Yeah, I'd really just like to talk more about Michigan. Um, but no, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Let's go with Cam Hart. Let's try to get some positivity back for for Notre Dame fans before they set this podcast off. Um, I like Notre Dame's chances there with the three star wide receiver. Um, kind of a weird recruitment. Didn't re- he never announced his Notre Dame offer, but I've confirmed with multiple sources that uh, head coach Brian Kelly actually was the one who delivered the offer. Um, I know he hasn't released anything, but from what I'm told, he's expected to make a, a commitment announcement in early July, potentially on the 4th. Um, everybody likes to work on the holidays. So um, I do expect Notre Dame to land that commitment. Nothing set completely in that front. Uh, and schools are definitely in play, pushing hard. Um, but I do expect Notre Dame to land a wide receiver commit with a ton of athleticism and ability to play on the defense side of the ball as well. In Cam Hart in early July. Kevin, you've got a couple guys left. One is a receiver that you broke a little bit of news on and sort of were connected with last week. Um, that's a Oklahoma prospect who has a lot of speed. What's uh, what's sort of your feeling there? Yeah, that's sort of been an interesting and somewhat tricky one to sort of follow early. Um, when I first uh, met met Nance right after he got his offer, he said that his family big Notre Dame fans, his mom and grandfather, and they'd always wanted to visit South Bend. Uh, like about five days ago, the story was, no, I'm not visiting Notre Dame. I'll probably visit in the fall. Within like 24 to 48 hours, he had a visit set, and he was leaving straight from Nebraska to South Bend on Saturday, uh, which he did. Um, I connected with him shortly after the visit, but he, he said he was extremely busy. He wasn't going to be able to talk for a few days, but speaking with a few sources, I heard that the visit went quite well, and there's, you know, it's a situation where, you know, it looks like Notre Dame's, you know, has a legitimate shot with them. Nebraska, uh, early on, also TCU, those two programs in the mix with him. He said after the dead period, Ole Miss and Mississippi State will be his final two visits before sort of thinking about when he's going to make a decision uh, before, maybe after the se- uh, after his season begins. So we'll see, but Notre Dame's in that one, and uh, I was interested to sort of hear that Notre Dame actually has a lot more interest in, interest in him than, than we had thought. And uh, I think that sort of goes to tell us, uh, you know, how much Notre Dame is really looking for speed, looking for guys who can really run well, stretch the field. Um, Nance is a guy who can do that. That's yeah, a pretty eclectic uh, group of finalists there for Nance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Tom, a 2020 that is turning into uh, a message board must-click type guy. Uh, it's A.J. Henning from uh, Illinois. What can you tell us about Nuri's position there? Yeah, it was a nice segue from Kevin talking about speed. Uh, this guy has a lot of it. Um, this is He, he classifies as the must, in the must-get category for Notre Dame in 2020, um, and surely Drew Pine would agree with that. But um, Notre Dame was 100% the team to be early on. Um, then he took a, a trip to Ohio State, and it looked like, they had gained some momentum, as they do. Um, Urban Meyer making a big big impression, um, as well as the rest of the Buckeye staff. But uh, Notre Dame then got him back on campus um, this past weekend. Big visit, you know, kind of getting to swing things back into their favor. It's close. It really is. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's two-team race. It's Notre Dame and Ohio State at the top. Um, long way to go. I mean, this is a guy that's pushing for a five-star status. He can take his time. He's in no rush. Like you said, he's a classic 2020 guy. I still like my Notre Dame tradition. I think he's got a ton of ties to the school. If they can get those passing games working and get things, 
you know, right that ship, if you will. Um, I think that Henning, you know, ends up making the the decision of st- staying closer closer to home and taking Notre Dame. And then uh, Kevin, why don't you wrap us up? Uh, Salim Wormley, an offensive lineman that uh, I think a lot of people figured was headed to Penn State, maybe still will end up there, but uh, gave Notre Dame a hard look in June as well. Yeah, so he he loved his official visit very much, uh, more so than he thought he would, um, especially hanging out with the current offensive linemen. That right there, he, he really got, you know, sort of in with those guys. He seemed to mesh really well. Uh, really gave a glowing review of his official visit, and um, I'll say that, you know, when Zeke Coral committed, you know, on, on the Monday after that visit, he had some concern, he expressed some concern to me. He, he Once he sort of realized that um, the plan is to get Coral in, in the rotation at center, that sort of concern faded um, maybe completely. Um, so, you know, I could see Notre Dame winning that battle. Um, but right now, I guess I think like slightly leaning towards Penn State. So visited there several times. Um, Penn State does a really good job on the recruiting trail. Uh, Franklin does a great job. Um, but, yeah, don't count on Notre Dame for Celine Wormley. Of course, with how many spots they have left, um, they're also looking at Walter Rouse as an offensive tackle. Uh, sort of a tricky situation there, but a prospect Notre Dame loves. Yeah, and by the way, you were correct that uh, DJ Turner did commit to Michigan during this podcast. So that was Boom, boom, nailed it. Nice call there. So. <laughs> That's how we're going to wrap up uh, our Irish Illustrated Recruiting Podcast with a kid committed to Michigan. But uh, until next time, Pete Sampson, joined as always by Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair. Thanks for listening. But wait, there's more. As promised at the top of the show, we have an interview with Notre Dame running back commitment, Kieran Williams. Uh, and as maybe we unintentionally teased a little bit with the Michigan talk, Williams revealed a little bit about where he would have been headed if Notre Dame wasn't an option, which I think you'll find pretty intriguing. So without further ado, Notre Dame's newest running back commitment, Kieran Williams out of St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra Podcast, joined by special guest Kyron Williams, Notre Dame's newest commitment. And um, I guess first off, congratulations on making the decision to go with Notre Dame. And ultimately, you had a bunch of options. What sort of got Notre Dame over the hump when you had some Big Ten, Big 12, SEC schools all sort of taking a look at you. Yeah, uh, so Notre Dame, uh, the campus, the facilities, the coaches, they all jumped out at me. But most like most importantly, the campus did because the campus, campus is beautiful, but Notre Dame's a private school, same with my high school, so I felt very comfortable being around all the monuments and statues. I knew what they were. I knew what they meant. So that really just, like, that's really just got my attention because I'm I'm a real I'm real close to God. Like I believe in God heavily, so that just really like made me feel comfortable. So I guess going on the campus tour, you sort of you didn't really need a tour guide maybe as much as the average prospect did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. What the? I guess there are a lot of guys that go to prestigious private Catholic schools. Um, yeah. You know, Vianney is a really good school in the St. Louis area. But not all of them want to stay connected and, like, sort of, you know, go to the big public university. What was right. it about sort of, like, going to a program or a university similar to your high school opposed to going to somewhere different that was appealing to you? Why was why was similar what you wanted to do? Because um, because going to Vianney, like, I went to public school before I went to Vianney, but going to Vianney, I, I became closer with God. I came stronger with God. 
So like, I couldn't like go into a private institution that would just keep my relationship stronger and better with God. Mm-hmm. Like, in a lot of ways, was was Notre Dame a comfortable decision for you? Because I guess yeah. another thing, a lot of guys like Notre Dame's like another world for you. It just sort of felt like it was the natural next step. Yeah. Yeah. And so going through the visit up here, at what point walking around were you like, "Yep, this is it. This is this is the place I'm going to be." It was the second day of my official. Um, after Coach Kelly's Lake House is when I knew, like, when I got back to the campus, I knew this is where I wanted to be. And what was it? What was it? Something you saw? Somebody you talked to? What, what made it click? It was just my feeling at Notre Dame, but my, like, my comfortability level there. I just really felt like home. And I guess beyond sort of the familiarity small school, um, how about, like, from the football program perspective? Uh, whether that be your relationship with Coach Denson um, or somebody else around here, just maybe knowing guys that you've seen from recruiting in the past, like what was it about the football yeah. program that felt right? Um, so first of all, it was tradition in Notre Dame. Everybody knows about the tradition in Notre Dame. They have mm-hmm. their own. They have the like, NBC channel. So, like, that's big. But also my relationship with Coach Denson was, since the day I met him, was strong. He's a real close to God. He's real close to God like I am well. And he's a better, like I always say, he's a better person and he's a coach. Um, great person down to earth. And just like also the players like Houston, Micah, Jafar, like I really felt comfortable with them, like talking with them and it's like hanging out with them. It was really like mm-hmm. I felt like I was already there, really. Did you know many of those guys like from the 7-on-7 circuit? Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah how, what, what were the guys you knew best going into it? Um, Houston, Micah. Yeah, that's it. Who's in the mic? Okay, gotcha. Did, did that sort of give you a, I guess, maybe a more authentic take on Notre Dame from those guys that could tell you sort of the good and the bad? Just because, yeah. I mean, it's, not that they've been here a long time, but they were both early enrollees that sort of got right. a feel for it. Right, yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know how relevant offensive line recruiting is to your commitment, but maybe it's just a really nice fringe benefit of the whole thing. How mm-hmm. how significant was that, that Notre Dame oh, helping uh, out big-time guys? Yeah, it was big. I know we got a lot of offensive line uh, commits. So I was on my official with Zeke. That commi- mm-hmm. He committed the day I committed. And I just I feel real comfortable with what we got going on on both sides of the balls, actually. I feel like we got – I feel like we can be – we can have the best offense going into our sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I want to double back with Coach Jensen a little bit. I mean, he's he's pretty outwardly he's open in his his faith, which sometimes is important for you. But like, what was his recruiting style like? How did he sort of come at you in a way that maybe was different from other coaches? Yeah, he wasn't like all the other coaches trying to call me every day, trying to text me every day. He just every day he'd send me a inspirational quote from the Bible or just like a saying that I didn't even have to respond to. I just had to read it, and he knew that I read it. So he didn't come at me like all on some, I don't know what to say, but he didn't really, he didn't annoy me, that's what I got to say. Okay. And like how long, when did your relationship start? When did you sort of feel like you first had a connection with him? Um, about a week or two after junior day. Okay, gotcha. So it's it's been going on for a little bit, but it's not like he's yeah. been recruiting you since your freshman year. Right. Okay, gotcha. And... The opportunity to go up to, to Brian Kelly's Lake House a little bit. I think you get you get to see a more personal side of Notre Dame's head coach than a lot of a lot of other people. What did what did you take away from that experience? Uh, particularly just sort of like being around Brian Kelly. 
Uh, well, first of all, he's making a lot of money in the house. It's super nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's really, he's really chill, laid back guy. Really, never really seen that from watching like the games or anything. But yeah, really chill, laid back guy. Um, he let us ride the jet skis. Me and Jafar let us ride the jet skis. But yeah, it was fun. It was real fun to be around Coach Kelly and then every all the coaches and the players and stuff, recruits. Did that like surprise you at all? Just sort of seeing that side of him up there. Um, not really. I know coaches have a chill side to them, but mm-hmm. yeah, like it just actually seeing in person is what's surprising. Okay, gotcha. It's like sort of you imagine like coaches are normal people away from football, but you never actually yeah. get a chance to see it. Right. Got it. And I think just you know, recruiting is is it's competitive. There are a bunch of schools coming after you. I mean, if Notre Dame was not an option for you, what do you think? Would you still be evaluating things right now, or do you think you'd be off the board to some? To, to another spot? Um, I probably, we kind of both. So if I didn't commit to Notre Dame, I would have been on my Michigan official this weekend, and I probably would have committed to Michigan this weekend. Okay. If Notre gotcha. Dame was in the picture. And is it, um, I mean, when you're evaluating both those schools, I think there's a lot of guys that are, are sort of looking at both right now. Um, yeah. Do you see them as more similar or more different? Common. common. Okay. There's only one difference between Notre Dame and Michigan is one's private and one's public. Okay, gotcha. And I think just in terms of coming up to Notre Dame again, whether it be fall fall visits uh, unofficially for games, mm-hmm. Echoes weekend, you know, I don't even know, like, um, you know, your plans for early enrollment, that's something a lot of guys consider. What, what's yeah, sort of I'm the next enrolling. step? So what's the, what's the next step for you in terms of, um, you know, getting back up here for a game or, or something like that? Yeah, so I want to bring my grandparents up, so hopefully we can go to the Michigan game this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's probably the next time I'll be up there, but hopefully something before that, but we never know. And early enrollment, why is that Why is that an important move for you? Uh, because the running back, the ditch of the running back right now in their game, it's not deep at all. So if I, feel like, I feel like if I can come in early, get like, have a special before everybody else and just be able to compete in spring and do things like that. I feel mm-hmm. like I have a good shot of what this playing time. Maybe kind of big role. And I guess sort of like as a recruiter, not I think a lot of guys like to recruit other guys in the class. Some guys don't. How do how do you sort of see that? Is that something natural for you uh, to to reach out to other prospects? Um, it's not something natural to me. I feel kind of awkward doing it, but I'll do mm-hmm. it. Like if you really need someone, I'll do it. Because I uh, like what uh, Quinn Carroll did to me. Right. And Drew Payne and Hunter Spears. Did you like that, having like having guys come after you a little bit? Yeah, I like that. And what what did that sort of show you about Notre Dame? Like, what did you take away from that? Because I'm guessing these guys are sort of strangers to you when they reach out to you yeah. on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Yeah, not only do the coaches want me to do the other commits, want me on the team as well. Mm-hmm. Got it, yeah. got it. And I, I guess before I let you go, Anything else about Notre Dame, whether it be something you saw on campus or somebody you met out, maybe even outside the football program that really stuck with you about, like, yeah, this is this is the right place for me? Um, not really. I know my chemistry teacher sophomore year was a big – went to Notre Dame, so mm-hmm. – but not, not other than that, not really. Got it. Okay. Well, that's uh, Notre Dame's latest commit, running back here in Williams out of St. Louis. Thanks for joining the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you.